where I want that happiness to come from is from within. You know, not that I was happy because I found someone who made me feel complete, but mm-hmm. that I was complete. Um, and that I understood that, you know, I am me. I have my qualities. I have my strengths. I have my limitations. But I am me. I know who I am. I know what I like and that I was happy. Everyone is a stranger until you know their story. The Power of Good Intentions is a show about people, their stories, challenges they faced, and how they overcame them. This show is here to remind you that there is always a path forward and that good things happen to people who have a good heart. I am Aliou Sidibe and I am your host. Hey, it's Aliou and I just want to take a moment to say how much I appreciate you for listening to the show. If you find the podcast inspiring, interesting, motivating, or heartwarming, if there is one person, maybe a friend or family member who you think will appreciate the show, please take a moment and share it with them because sharing is caring and good stories are meant to be shared. Happy, happy Juneteenth to everyone. Today we'll be diving into the story of Jean Sebastian Serena. When he was 8 years old, Jean made the transition from Haiti to the US. He had previously been sent there to grow up with his grandmother and be close to his roots. However, when the country started to be plagued by a series of kidnapping, his parents decided to bring him back to the US. Being in a new country was not easy for Jean. He had to face bullying at a young age, racism and other roadblocks. After going through his personal challenge and what was a difficult time for him, Jean grew up to be a leader and a spoken word artist. He graduated salutatorian of our class last year and is now working for a really great company. Today, he uses his words to speak on systemic issues and racial inequality. You will notice that the flow of this episode is a bit different. When things are chaotic in the world, I personally like to fully dive into what I am doing and being present. I really wanted to provide you that same feeling and experience so you will get the chance to hear Jean's story through his own words without me interfering. This episode was recorded back in January so you may hear about events that happened back then. This is something new and something that I'm experimenting with so I would love to hear your thoughts. As always, please DM me on Instagram at the power of good intentions or at Billionaires Mind Club. Enjoy. Thank you, Ali, for inviting me. It's my pleasure. Uh, shortly after I was born, I think it was about three months after, my parents decided that it would be best for me to grow up in Haiti. Um, the reason why they felt that way was because they believed that certain kids who grew up um, to you know, parents of foreign descent, but in the U.S., sort of lost uh, their cultural roots, and that they grew up, I guess, more Americanized. So mm-hmm. they wanted me to connect more with my roots before I continue my education here. Um, so I spent about eight years in Haiti, and I lived with my dad's mom across the street from my sister, who lived with my mom's mom. I still, to this day, have no idea why they set it up that way or who made that decision. <laughs> Um, but that's just how it was, and we accepted it from the start. Uh, <laughs> but it was both of our households were very religious. Um, so that's something that was prominent in our lives. 
from the start. So like every Friday, uh, my grandmother would have sort of a prayer circle in her basement with all of her friends. Um, so that was something that would grow up around. And it was also, I want to say it was a very social place because, you know, over in the Caribbean, we had, we had maids working for us and they lived with us. You know, that's not something that I've really seen a lot of in the U.S. Uh, in the U.S., usually it's like the maid will come in for a few hours, take care of business and then go back. Um, but there, like we had them constantly around the house, living with us, eating with us, all of those things. So it was a very different environment. The situation in Haiti had become pretty volatile. Like I know um, on the roads that I walked to get to my school, people had starting get, started to get kidnapped. Uh, so that was like the primary thing that made our parents pull us back to the U.S., uh, just the unsafe situation that was going on over there. Um, and, you know, I remember when I was leaving school in Haiti, like my last couple months, I was saying, yeah, I'm an American. I'm going back to my country. I'm forgetting <laughs> all of you guys. Um, but then, you know, when I came here, as I said before, now I had to make my own bed. And that was like the first stark change I had to deal with, just having to become, uh, I guess, a lot more independent and understanding mm -hmm. what it is to not always have, you know, five people buzzing around the house. Um, and then, of course, having to transition to a whole new language, we had taken a few English classes towards the end of our time in Haiti, but it was very basic stuff like, hello, how are you? My name is. And that stuff does not prepare you to be thrown into a school with hungry third graders. <laughs> right? Like It was a shocking change and just how different people were in school as well. That was uh, shock. Um, that was pretty interesting so in haiti we addressed each other by our last names right and mm -hmm. yeah. it was just this sense of formality that came along with that and everyone was pretty cordial with each other and then here you had these eight-year-olds running around cursing at each other and so i was just <laughs> it was completely it was a cultural shift on almost every level of it you know i had to deal with essentially what was bullying um at the time it was just, I guess people were not uh, used to having someone come in from an entire other country. Like this was a small public school in Far Rockaway. So, you know, foreign students coming in when everyone already knows each other, that wasn't something that they were entirely used to. Mm -hmm. um, and also I had teachers who were not exactly helpful in this situation. Like I remember one specific teacher who said, Oh, he just came over from uh, from Haiti a few months ago, and he's already doing better than you guys on your math test. Like somebody hearing that, and they're in my class, they weren't very appreciative of things uh, like that. So just these different elements, and of course, me not fully being able to understand the language or defending myself, um, added on to that. But I'd say that the biggest help for me at the time was having my sister essentially going through the same thing. Um, in terms of our acclimation and our uh, shift and change, she wasn't getting the bullying thing. My sister has always been like a very tough person from the jump. Um, mm -hmm. That's a lot of what I've had to learn from her. And so, you know, she was in the same school as me for a year 
And I remember one day this guy was just bothering me after school and then I ran to her crying and she asked me what happened and I told her what happened and she just like grabbed this kid who was taller than her, roughed him up <laughs> against the fence and told him not to mess with me, you know, and thinking back on it, her accent was so strong at the time and it was the funniest <laughs> thing, but at the, like, it was, I was basically watching a hero save me, you know, um, so having her there with me to sort of shield me and protect me and to learn from her toughness and how she was able to make friends. That was very helpful. And during the year, at really, the bullying got to the point where they switched my class. But the thing is, they put me in the advanced class, I guess. Like, I, I had been in ESL to start off with, and then I got out, out of ESL out of six um, after six months. Mm-hmm. And then they decided to put me in the advanced third grade class. And there the kids were a lot more manageable. And the teacher that I had there, she was also very supportive, uh, made sure to keep people off my back during class. Um, I definitely say that, well, one thing I, I have to mention is belief in self. Um, I'm, I'm a big believer in understanding who you are. You know, if, I can't even claim to fully understand who I am yet, but every day I feel like is a step on that journey to figure that out. So belief in self, understanding who you are, what your capabilities are, um, what you what you want to accomplish, you know. Uh, then belief in family and those who support you. Now, family doesn't just mean those who are blood related to you. Like, of course, the first and f- the primary person in my mind when it comes to my education is my grandma because. You know, I started off my educational journey under her wings and she was just a very supportive person in that and always pushed me to do my best in school. Mm -hmm. Um, And then third, believe in a higher power, you know, just believe that there is a reason why we're here. We may not understand what that reason is, but just trusting that there is a reason and there is a purpose and that we have to do our part in pushing forward. The type of art that I do, I... You know, I struggled with how to define it at first because, you know, I'd perform it at school and then it would be seen as spoken word. But I think just down to the root of it, poetry is what I do. Mm-hmm. And um, I've just, it's a craft that I, I started in, I want to say sixth grade. We just had an activity to write a poem um, about anything for school and then the best ones would be chosen and shared out. And I wrote a poem. It was this love poem about a girl in my class. And um, (laughs) my teacher read it and she came back to me the following day and she said, you know, I honestly think this is the best poem by far, but I can't, I can't share this. Like it is just so, I guess, deep in a sense. It went to some level that she didn't think um, would be appropriate, I guess, to share in a sixth grade class. I, I don't know. I think I was talking about like just the passion of her fiery red hair or something like that. Like it was, I don't know. I was in my feelings. So um, that happened. And I said, wait, if my teacher thought this was this good, am I good at this? Is Should I, you know, continue experimenting with this? Um, so I wrote like occasionally, but mostly when school was asking me to do it and it wasn't until about summer of last year that I said you know what I'm going to sit down and I'm going to write just to write and then I started doing it and like 
it's so true that the more you do something, the better you get at it. So I've continued to develop that since then. I just want to make people feel I'm not, you know, in control of what anyone feels or how they feel. I just want people to feel something when they read uh, my pieces and then to have a conversation with them about what it is they feel. Because for me, like, I always just want to get to know people and get to understand people better seeing how their mind works you know sometimes i wish i had taken psychology as a second minor because <laughs> i just want to get uh just get deep into people's minds and find out like okay this is how i see this or this is how i interpreted this what are your thoughts how do you see mm. it you know so i i'd like to i like to say sometimes that my poetry is sort of selfish and my motivation for getting other people to share their poetry is selfish because i just crave seeing the gears turning inside people's heads. And I think that art is a huge way to do that. Just a more connected world through art. Mm -hmm. um, I think that art is one of those things that doesn't need a language. You know, I've, of course, poetry is a much more language-based art than most, but, um, you know, it can be translated if anything. But art is something that doesn't necessarily need a language. And so it's one of those things that can really connect people and break down barriers and divides. Um, so, you know, for me, I, I feel that there are a lot of people who I wouldn't have gotten to talk to or connect to before if it wasn't for my art. You know, mm -hmm. I think there are some people like they find out you do art and all of a sudden their ears perk up and they want to know more about you, yeah. um, probably because of the same thing as me like you want to they want to know how my mind works and all of that um and i've written a lot of pieces that have to do with certain uh racial issues or uh, systemic issues that are going on and so certain pieces specifically will have a purpose beyond just being understood or being felt mm -hmm. but my general guiding principle is just connecting to people and understanding um that's tough i to answer the first part of how i deal with the journey alone i this might be a really cliche or corny answer but i don't really feel like i'm alone in that journey not just because there are other people doing it as well like mm -hmm. having i have friends who are um who have started writing more and discovering themselves through their writing but it's because when i write i feel like there are two people in the room like the person writing and then the me that's thinking like and i i always feel like those two are getting closer together and always like understanding each other better because at the end of the day i think what i put on paper is an interpretation of what my mind puts out it's not mm -hmm. always necessarily like a direct translation because you know our thoughts go everywhere like our thoughts are very random and you'll have a thousand thoughts a second but you'll only write down one so I'd say like when I'm writing, it's to connect more with myself. And so in that aspect, I don't feel alone because my goal is to, you know, get more connection with myself as I'm putting those words on the paper. And how to deal with criticism, or, you know, reactions I didn't expect. Of course, reactions I didn't expect come in multiple flavors, like they're the good reactions that I didn't expect mm -hmm. where they're like, oh my God, like I really like this. And that takes <laughs> me back because then I have to go back and I have to reread it. I'm like, are you sure? <laughs> um, and, or I might just find like, oh, wait, 
I didn't see this before. Okay. Um, <laughs> and then, of course, there are the reactions where you'll read something that you're really happy about and someone just won't feel much about it. And um, that one I'm trying to get more used to. Thankfully, it hasn't happened that much. Um, but I'm trying to get more used to it because at the end of the day, you can't, as I said before, like you can't control what people feel or how they feel. Yeah. So it's, it's just making sure that whatever you have shared is really a part of you and that you're not trying to change yourself to fit that image that maybe this person who didn't approve thinks you should be trying for. Because I think there is never going to be a piece of art that everyone can collectively agree to. That's mm -hmm. just the nature of people liking and disliking things and art. Like not everyone's going to love something. So if you're if you're doing something that you really appreciate and you really enjoy, but the people around you don't, then find the right people to put around you. You know, it's not about if what you're doing is what you love and is making you happy then it is the right thing undoubtedly there is like of course unless you're hurting someone else where but in the context of art here like if the your style of poetry is something that brings you happiness then there's nothing for you to change about yourself you just have to change you know who you're sharing to the people who motivate me the most um would be the people who I, you know, who are closest to me, who actually make their art and continue to forge forward with what they love. Like my little cousin, for example, it's insane because just, I remember 14 years ago, this kid was just a little bean in his mom's hands. And now he's making art every day and drawing and he's maintaining this like big Instagram account. Um, and just seeing him passionately, so being so passionate about his art and sharing mm -hmm. his art just pushes me to do better. I'm like, this 14-year-old kid is able to put all of his, <laughs> to put his heart on paper like this. You know, you can do it too. Let's go, yeah. let's get, you know, not, there's, there's no uh, limited resource of how many people can be out here sharing their things and doing what they love. So let's get this bread together, you know? And then <laughs> I have uh, my friend, Josh, goes by the name of Cast, just very talented individual. Sometimes, like I'll be listening to uh, his pieces, to his pieces or his music, and then he'll say something, and that just sparks a plug in me, like it sparks a switch or something, and then like it gets my creative juices flowing, and I'm going on a tangent. Um, and of course, you know, in the broader sense of like leaders around the world, uh, we just lost one about a week ago. Yeah, uh, yeah Kobe was definitely someone who had that Mamba mentality. You know, he was always pushing for more, striving to be great. And that was something that I grew up watching in basketball for, I'd say, what, the seven years I got to watch him play. I, like, I found out about 10 minutes after the news broke. And I was just in such shock. Like, Diego sent it to me. And I was so surprised. And then... Uh, I, I got a phone call from one of my friends. He called me and we we're both so quiet on the phone and he knows, you know, I've been a Laker fan for over a decade now. So he was very supportive of it. And then 
my dad came home and I went over to hug him and I just broke down. Like that was that was that. There's Barack Obama, leader of the free world for a good eight years, you know, a black <laughs> man doing his thing. So um but for me, I really like to focus in on the people that I have around me and who are near to me because with these inspirations that we have and these leaders that we have, it's really, it, I have, at least for me, I have a lot of questions that I want to ask them. And these are people, you know, Kobe, when he was alive and Barack, like these are people that I couldn't ask questions to. And so for me, I'd like to have those who are near to me and I can ask and I can learn from like I'm legit learning from my 14 year old cousin you know like yeah. people that I can learn from and get in touch with because I think those are you know those are the types of mentors that we have like at EY mentorship you know is something that's huge and so having those tangible people that you can reach out to and just collaborate with uh, that's what's really important for me in terms of my motivation and my inspiration Ah, the very first answer that comes to mind and it's because it's really true even though it's cliche it's like am I happy if 80 years from now regardless of what happens over the next however many years if when I'm 80 years old I look back and I can truly say that I was happy for most of it then my life will have been a success um, and I think you know, at least where a large part of that happiness, where I want that happiness to come from is from within. You know, not that I was happy because I found someone who made me feel complete, but that I was complete. Um, and that I understood that, you know, I am me. I have my qualities, I have my strengths, I have my limitations, but I am me. I know who I am, I know what I like, and that I was happy, you know? Yeah. yeah. Of course, if I have uh, a huge mansion with two indoor basketball courts <laughs> and a swimming pool, I mean, you know, that won't hurt either. <laughs> but yeah, I love it. I love it. Now, one last thing. Uh, if anyone in the audience wants to reach out to you, what is the best way to contact you? Um, the best way to contact me is on Instagram by far at Gene the Machine underscore or at Gene the Journal if you're more of a poetry lover than selfies um <laughs> but yeah i'm very re responsive on instagram because that notification just pops out text messages as well but yeah okay i love it and you know jen thank you thank you thank you for being on the podcast thank you for sharing your story i think you're a real example of what i like to call a human being with a good heart someone with good intentions so thank you for being on the show thank you for inviting me Much love, much appreciation. Thank you very much for listening. If you have a question about a previous episode or if you would like to share something positive, I would really, really love to hear from you. So you can go to speakpipe.com slash T-P-O-G-I. That is S-P-E-A-K-P-I-P-E.com slash T-P-O-G-I. You can find more about the show at thepowerofgoodintentions.podbean.com or on Instagram on my page, Billionaire's Mind Club. Thank you very much.